Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're doing aura readings, and everyone's coming up scarlet and violet. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I'm always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the announcement of a whole new generation of Pokemon. And then on Thursday, we're kicking off Kirby Month. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, Kirby Month is mere days away at this point no i mean th- kirby month is now <laughs> that's right i will I, kirby yeah, month true. is march which that, means by the time anyone is hearing this that's true we've crossed the threshold and it yes. is true that our patrick this is such a good point i'm glad you brought this up it is true that our first episode in kirby month ofi- that officially marks kirby month is will this. not is this right but the first one we talked about kirby will not happen until thursday but that doesn't mean that every day in March, we should not be celebrating Kirby Month. Right. No, I mean, a- absolutely. A- any And really, any any day, any moment, if you're awake, if you're asleep, if you're thinking at all, you should be thinking about Kirby in one form or another. Right. And how this would be different for you and I than any yes. other month, I'm not really sure. So we'll just have to give like an extra thought to Kirby. Spare an extra thought for <laughs> you, Kirby. <laughs> Um, if you would like to borrow a non-Kirby game from me, as in, say, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, you can certainly get on the list to do that. All you got to do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. It's just a thing that happens. Another thing you can do? is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much. It helps people find the show. Patrick and I really enjoy reading all of the reviews. Uh, If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we can see it, and so we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else or you share the show in some other way, definitely let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email, and we'll give you a shout-out, just like we're about to give a shout-out to Wooden Pooh, who left us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store. Now, and just to be clear, that is wood and, like an ampersand, yes. poo. Okay. That's right. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. So thank you very much, wood and poo. Uh, also, shout out to uh, the uh, Mora Bros uh, Twitter account uh, that was tweeting about our uh, Kirby uh, this Kirby month that we are now currently in. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and then, look, we've... We've had a busy couple weeks, I think, maybe just a busy one single week um, where we've maybe gotten a couple things wrong or a couple of things that need to be addressed. Um, so, Mark, this first one is yours. I'm going to let you own it. Okay. All right. This first one is a big blow. Um, it's from Omnijake on Twitter. He did me the courtesy of not putting me on blast, didn't at the show, didn't at Patrick in this as well, That's just right. added me saying, I'm sorry to inform you. I have to give a little bit of context before yeah, I get into this. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So last week I talked about playing Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Was t- gabbing it up, talking about how much I liked it, and kept talking about this character named 
Um, what a, Salvatore is what I called him. Just yeah. over and over. Salvatore this, Salvatore that. And Omni Jake, nice enough to kind of pull me aside and be like, sorry to inform you. It was a call-in moment <laughs> is what it was. Salvatore is actually named Silvando. Should have known that. Yep. Did know that for some reason, repeatedly just called him Salvatore. But a hundred percent correct. And here's here's where like I have to uh, also apologize because it's my job to be like, <laughs> Mark, you're saying it wrong. But I didn't even I didn't do it. I, in fact, I'm sure I said Salvatore back to you um, because I wasn't. Look, I knew that I knew the shape of his name, right? Yeah, uh, and it, I it's just, been a while since you played it. It's been a while, and I yeah. was acting so confident. I'm playing the game right now and enjoying it. How yeah. can I possibly get the name so wrong? Why would I know more about the game you're currently playing that I haven't touched in three years? Uh, so thank you, Omni Jake, as always for uh, the debug. Uh, Omni Jake continues, and I can give a little advice if you're wondering what to put in his, meaning uh, Silvando's skill tree. His magic spells and stuff are really good. And thank you, Omni Jake. I did take that advice, and you're right; it has turned out to be very helpful. Omni Jake also hit me up on Twitter uh, regarding our Thursday episode and said, "Hey, Patrick, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu allow you to access Pokemon Bank?" Uh, I was making the observation that once the um, virtual console versions of Red and Blue are gone, that you won't be able to um, upload any Gen 1 Pokemon to Pokemon Bank. Uh, technically, that it will still be the case, um, but uh, let's go Eevee and let's go Pikachu. You can transport Pokemon through Pokemon Home, um, which is the same functionality, basically. Um, so this is one where uh, I... It's, Technically, I'm still right, but the, in the spirit of the things, uh, it's actually uh, Omni Jake is correct. We can pull those Pokemon, but it does mean that the Gen 2s are still stuck uh, once those uh, the Virtual Console versions go away from the 3DS eShop. Oh, because I genuinely do not understand how Pokemon Bank and Pokemon Home and all of that works. So Gen 2 on the 3DS Virtual Console, those go up to Pokemon Bank? Is Gen, that right? Gen 1 and Gen 2. So all, all of the virtual console uh, versions that they released on 3DS eShop, you can put those Pokemon into Pokemon Bank and then pull them out to be in, uh, in, in other games. So, okay, but the other games have to support... Basically what I'm asking is, and it's okay if you don't know, but like those Gen 2 on the 3DS that you can put into Pokemon Bank... By the fact that they're in Pokemon Bank, can you not sync that with Pokemon Home? And so they also exist in Pokemon Home? I think they can be put into Pokemon Home, but something happens to them in the like transfer over to it. Just because there's more information that each Pokemon has as you get later in the generations. Oh, okay. Um, but this is where we get out of our, our depth real fast because we don't know that much or care that much about Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so again, uh, I'm only technically right on that one, but I, I'm, I'm going to take it. Also, two debugs coming out of uh, last week's tr Blockbuster 433, mm -hmm. where we tried to name as many Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman movies as we possibly could. Uh, the first debug, of course, being, and this is the one that I'm most ashamed of, we didn't mention Van Helsing as a movie. Yeah, that, we're debugging ourselves. How did we not mention Van Helsing? I was so excited for Van Helsing. So was I. It's Steven Summers, the director of The mm -hmm. Mummy. Uh, Universal Monsters, yeah, Wolver Hugh Jackman, like Wolverine. I was very excited for 
Van Helsing. The that movie should have been good. But it's a mess. <laughs> it's not good at all. Then the other debug is that uh, in that 433, I mentioned that Halle Berry was in Shark Tale. Of course, she wasn't. She was in Robots, um, both animated movies around the same time, but very different movies. Yes. Um, and then uh, we, we got some emails also as follow-ups to our uh, conversation about the 3DS uh, eShops closing down. Also the Wii U, but no one seemed to engage with that that much. Um, But an email from Chariot Goblin who writes, Hey, NCS, regarding the eShop shutdown, August 29th will mark the end of redeeming eShop cards. However, this doesn't mean that you are stopped from adding any more funds afterwards. If you add your Nintendo Network ID to your Nintendo account, your eShop wallet between Switch, 3DS, and Wii U will be shared. Any money you add on your Switch will also show up on your 3DS and Wii U. This should theoretically work even after August 29th. Oh, interesting. Uh, And I was like, wait a minute, is that true? So I added 50 bucks on the Switch today and then brought up the Wii U and sure enough that 50 bucks is there. Oh, that's awesome. So whether or not that functionality will continue after uh, August 29th, I guess we still don't know. Um, uh, But in 29th is again... um, with, with redeeming cards it's uh may 23rd i want to say that they that uh you won't be able to do credit card payments directly on the other platforms but so just be aware that like there there may be one more option for uh how to do that and then we got a, an email from mark not our mark but a different mark um who said, hi patrick and mark love the show on the closer closure of the 3ds and wii u eShops. Thank you both. Uh, Thanks to you both. I now have a bunch more games on my to-buy list. I know you both loved Fire Emblem Three Houses and was wondering if either of you have picked up Fire Emblem Fates, the Fire Emblem Fates games, Birthright and Conquest. Conquest. Um, I I have. uh, I have played through uh, most of Birthright. I never finished it, but I don't think Mark has touched either. No. uh, Mark goes on to say, I, ha- <clears throat> I have them both and uh, yet to play them, but I didn't realize that there is a third chapter to the story, Fire Emblem Revelations, which is only accessible through the game, uh, through the game like DLC. I hear that it will disappear when they close off the stores, so if you are keen to play all the Fates games, you may want to buy that final chapter before it's no longer available. What a great call out here! Um, the the last uh, path through the game, which is uh, subtitled Revelation, is not uh, was never sold uh, except for on like the um, like collector's edition uh, thing that you know now retails for like two hundred dollars. Um, so yes, that is a huge chunk of DLC, um, that is, you know, a, a theoretical third version of the game that like sort of mashes up, um, the other two and is much more challenging than either of the two like normal versions of the game that will go away a whole version of a Fire Emblem game. Oh man, that's crazy. That's such a good call out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark also goes on to say. Uh, also, every time you mention how good Rusty's Real Deal Baseball is, I have a twinge of jealousy as it was never released here in Australia or in the UK for that matter. Uh, with the ridiculous 3DS region locking, uh, the only way I can get it is to port a US machine. That's absurd. I forgot about that. I'm, I am both angry and devastated that people never had access to Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. Also, I just want to take a second to like, 
let's not overplay the spectacularness <laughs> of Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. You're right. We talk about it. We talk a about it a lot. lot, and it is so interesting, and like it's so novel. Yeah. But like the games themselves are fine. Yeah. The game. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's right. The experience of like playing the game moment to moment is not that amazing. It's more that that's such a good point that it's more just. Right. Like the whole package of Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. The world we live in is richer because Rusty's Real Deal Baseball yeah. exists. But I don't actually want to spend any time playing Rusty's Real <laughs> Deal Baseball. Does that make sense? It does It does make sense. It does. It, 100%. Um, all right. Thank you, everyone, for writing in, for telling us where we've been wrong or where we've been technically right, but not, <laughs> not uh, correct in the most meaningful ways. Um, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, I started a new job, so I haven't been playing any video games. Hey, that's fair. I, however, have been playing Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. And baby, I am in it. Yes! Like, I'm thinking about this game all the time. The, like, five tracks of music that play on 30-second loops are constantly in my mind. Um, So I am about, I want to say, like, 17 hours in, something like that. Um, I'm going to spoil aspects of the story so Patrick and I can talk about them. So if you are interested in playing this game or you don't want to be spoiled, jump ahead a few minutes uh, and we'll be past the segment. But okay, so I... And it's difficult to talk about an uh, an RPG that is like so big like Dragon yes. Quest XI-S because... Uh, also, just like to, to, to hop in here really quickly, uh, Dragon Quest XI-S is bigger than it uh, appears to be at almost every point in the game, it gets bigger successively for a uh, hundred hours. Oh wow! Um, okay. And so, like, there there are things I know you're about to, you know, talk about things that are are big spoilers for like you. Um, but there are things that the game does in places where the story goes that you can't even comprehend. At no, this I, I, I am confident that that is true. And that's why like, I'm about to talk about stuff that just happened to me about the game like 17 hours in. But I wonder genuinely if it'll even like register for you because right. it, it's remember. such like a yeah. footnote, right? Like, it, But one of the things that I'm really enjoying about this game is that I like the characters and the world so much. Like... Um, and it, it is reminding me what I like about Dragon Quest so much is it's such a like warm and inviting world to live in. Like, yes, there is conflict, but you know, every generally everybody gets along, you know, like yeah. the world is inviting. It seems like a place where you want to spend time. And I really like the um it's really fast paced at this point. Like you go to an area there's like usually like one problem that you have to solve like one thing you have to do but it's not like belabored there's not really a lot of um do this thing and then oops that's not it like go run yeah. to the other side of the world and pick this up and then come back and then I'll tell you nope that's wrong it's pretty straight for, right now it's pretty straightforward where it's, it's like it's like episodic in the best kind of way yeah. yeah yeah and so these little like vignettes that you're doing like they're all so enjoyable and, and there is a little bit of a cadence to them where you know there's the setup like you go to i can't even remember what it's called right now but 
this place where there's a fighting tournament and there's this dude who is your partner for the tournament and he's like the best guy he grew up in this orphanage he's fighting to keep the orphanage open yep, yep. but all of these all the other fighters are like mysteriously disappearing and so the twist is that he's been like kidnapping the other fighters and taking them to this big spider that's under the uh under the orphanage because the spider has this it gives off this like venom that the, that the fighter drinks so that way he can win the tournament no matter what so he's always getting the prize money to keep the orphanage around and there's like a kind of like a twist to all of the little vignettes like the one i did most recently was there uh your the ship that you're on washes ashore uh, the first time you go out into the open ocean and there's a mermaid there. Michelle. And Michelle. And she's waiting for her like one true love who promised to return to her and has never come back. And so she asks you to go to this island to like retrieve him. And you have this, the person that she's waiting for has died. It's been many years. And she you, doesn't understand. She's a mermaid. They have, they're naturally long lived. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, the love of her life, who was uh, shipwrecked on that same, like, asshole just a human, yeah. decades ago, has now passed away. And, you know, th- there's a little bit more to it, like the stuff that happens in the village. But basically, her, his grandson is, or son, I think grandson. I think it's grandson. Yeah, is, is there. And, um, you have the option of going back to Michelle, the mermaid, and telling her, telling her the truth that the person she's waiting for is dead. Or you have the option of saying that he um, is that he, he's going to come someday. And I don't know what happens if you tell her that he's going to come, if you lie to her. But you t- I told her that he's gone. And so she goes to the, I, to the island, meets the grandson sees that the grave of like the person that she loved and then she returns to the ocean and like turns into foam sea foam yeah and it's really it's beautiful beautiful it's really like affecting and i felt that same way about um a little bit before that after the fighting tournament there's some twists in the story and you realize the relationship of some new characters who join your party and there's this moment where um you're at like the the ruins of the like castle that you were born in, like that your parents died and all of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff to they protecting you essentially. And um, now that you've returned that you can do, you can do this ritual that basically uh, all of the people whose souls have not been able to return to the life tree. Now that you have returned, you're able to do this ritual that will send it there. And so you do this ritual and like the way that is shown is all these like lumen, like luminescent butterflies um there's just like thousands of them and they make this trail that goes up to this giant like life tree that's in the sky and it i really found it like affecting like i found it really beautiful um because the characters are so appealing i don't it, it's so sweet like it's so like good yeah. natured that it, all of it uh it just feels really like lovely and earned and i'm just really enjoying my time with the game yeah well and like the thing that's so nice about it and so nice about like the episodic structure of it is that it's like it's like the game is a hundred fairy tales right uh and they're connected but like in a lot of ways you are getting satisfying endings every hour or two in that game um and none of them are like moralizing a lot of them are sad um and they all just make the world feel very big yeah right 
um, and that you're like playing a meaningful part in it. I don't know. It's I'm I'm so glad that you're experiencing this. I'm glad that you um, had the same like moving experience with uh, Michelle the Mermaid because um, I I remember playing through that section and just being like, oh, like what? <laughs> like this is one of those video game stories that I'm gonna remember forever. Yeah. Oh, well, especially because it starts out, and even though, like I was saying, you, you kind of begin to anticipate, like, what the twist or whatever is going to be, like, um, it, you know, it starts out, and you're like, okay, I just feel like in other video games, I would go, and I would, like, find the guy, or there would be some, you know, like, yeah, this just felt more emotionally satisfying than I was expecting from a video game. Yeah. And um, it, one thing that I think is really interesting about it is it is 100% all age appropriate. Like, yeah. anybody can play this game. But I think that it is very, like, emotionally mature. I agree with that. In the in the relationships between people. In, in like, a very, like, sweet and satisfying way. Like, I think you were saying, like, a fairy tale. Like, it, it makes you feel good. It is, like, life-affirming in yeah. a way that I am really enjoying right now. So, and, like, the combat is fun. I do think that I'm not... I'm... Uh, right now, I you have the option in the game in turning on, in controlling characters through tactics. So essentially, uh, the every all the characters in your party can auto play themselves, but you can give them commands like go all out or play strategically or focus on healing. You know, like hold back. And the way I'm doing it right now is I'm controlling myself, right. but then the other three members in my party, I'm just using tactics. And I wonder, if, I'm curious how you played it, Patrick, because I feel like maybe I'm missing something. It in I wonder if it'd be more satisfying if I was controlling each character because they do not like initiate pep powers amongst themselves in the way that like yeah. I could yeah um and sometimes they attack enemies that I'm like no we should all and maybe I just need to be more flexible and not do it like one way or the other but I, what was your experience I mean <clears throat> I went through like every possible you know like there was a while where I was like everyone's on auto fight. Um, and everyone is like, just don't use MP, right? Or everyone is on go all out and then I'll just like uh, charge them back up between fights. Um, and then usually if I'm going into a boss fight, I turn everyone back on like, I control you. Um, but like when you let everyone auto battle, um, then you only get to know the luminaries abilities, um, which aren't really as much fun as everyone else's. So, I mean, I don't... I. I I, I literally did every possible permutation, uh, including sometimes uh, just fighting it all on, on my own. So, like, you really just got to find what's right for you. Um, but I, I do think to be, to play the game the best you can, to do, like, the, the best fighting you can, you have to do it all manually. And I, I think that makes sense. And I think what you're saying about, like, it'll just depend on the situation. Like, if you're just grinding or just trying to mow down characters... Um, probably yeah. having it all most on auto makes a lot of sense. But I do think boss fights or those bigger battles, I could be doing it more strategically if I was choosing every character. I like that the option exists. Um, but yeah. I, I just, like you were saying, I think it, it would be, I'd be having more fun in combat if I had more control. Um, and yeah, but I mean, it is a real contextual thing though, because there certainly are times where like, you're still enjoying the combat, but like you're just running from like here to there, and like you don't want to have to make decisions about like how you beat up a Drake or whatever. <laughs> and, and you were so right to turn the fight speed all way the way up, up, all the way up. Yeah, I can't imagine Crank going back. Yeah, but anyways, I'm loving it. I think about it all the time. All I want to do is ever go back and like continue playing it and see where this is going. I and I do not doubt for a second that there is a ton more in here because I have not been back 
to like ticking tin or whatever that right whatever the uh like eight sixteen bit. 2D version of the world where you can choose the different tomes to go into. I have not been back, and I assume at some point, like I'm going to be directed to go there. I can go back if I want to, but I haven't yet. I mean, so. you you never have to go back. Oh, interesting. Um, but I mean, well, uh, you, you you are like five calamities away from the end. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean like paradox shifting calamities. Okay. Um, and I'm excited for you to experience all of them. Um, and if you ever, if you ever need to just like vent about something that's happening, or if something is sad, uh, like let I me like know. all the party members so much, I don't <laughs> want to lose any of them. But I just, I can feel the inevitability. Um, who are you rolling with right now? So right now, I am. Uh, it's me, Eric, uh, <laughs> me, <laughs> Jade, uh-huh. who I got just recently. Yeah, and then um, Silvando. Okay, that's an interesting party. Yeah, so that that's who I that's who I'm using right now. I like Veronica so much as a character. I was sad to take her out of uh, my party, but I'm trying to just like, um, just roll through and like combat yeah. encounters as quickly yeah. as possible. Um, I stuck with Veronica and Serena in, in the party for a long time. Like I was Luminary, Veronica, Serena someone else mm-hmm. in, in, in that in that fourth slot uh and like sometimes it was jade sometimes uh sometimes it was rob um sometimes eric and obviously sometimes silvano so i just listed all the characters um but yeah i i am gonna stop talking now because we will talk about dragon quest 11 as seconds of elusive definitive edition in future episodes yeah, good and point. and because i don't want to uh spoil anything for you because the game is a three-year-old jumble in my head. I don't really remember what all happened. I played this game before the pandemic. It's so crazy. It's, I mean. I've had this game for so long. Yeah, you have. Long. So long. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I kept putting it off. But I'm so glad that I am playing it again. It really does remind me, like, how good Dragon Quest could be. Yep. All right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. <laughs> On Friday, March 4th, another JRPG that could potentially uh, become a time vampire in your life, Triangle Strategy, is released for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Mark, I never went back to that demo um, where I played for like two hours, had one fight, and uh, just talked to a lot of characters that were kind of boring. Yeah, your your experience with it 100% turned me off on the game. Didn't even bother to download the demo. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm... I w- am going to say right now that I think eventually I will check out the demo, but I don't even know that that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say at least check it out, get through the first fight, um, even though it takes kind of a while to get there. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, it feels like for me a little bit of a, uh, a discouraging trend that like this level of square game is not hitting with me the way I want it to. Um, like I liked Octopath. Octopath was the one that I like played, right? Um, Octopath was a solid triple. Yes, yeah, a, a, a wobbly triple maybe, um, but like I could never get into Bravely Default two, um, and I'm not, uh, I'm not excited about this one. Yeah, I. Um, so I think a little bit what has happened to me is that now there are just so many like good games and not enough time to play. And also I feel like it's just a good reminder that I don't think any of, 
I've only experienced Octopath Traveler, like, so I can't really speak to Bravely Default in those games. I know that people, when they got into Bravely Default 2, really enjoyed it, the people that played it. But I feel like it's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like the mid-tier Square Enix output right. that I remember from the DS and 3DS eras where, you know, like, uh, it's very niche. It's not, uh, it's, um, but more often than not, it's just kind of like middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. And uh, personally, I think, I, I really, I still really like the HD 2D art style, but any excitement I had for Triangle Strategy, I have transferred and have now put on the Dr- Dragon Quest Three remake in live this style. Live for me, baby. Oh, yeah, I'm excited for that, too. So, um, yeah, not really sure what to make of Triangle Strategy. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see where, like, the reviews shake out. Um, and also now that, uh, now that all of the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters are, uh, out on, um, Steam and mobile, uh, now I'm just waiting for the day that they announce them for, for console. Cause I will buy a lot of those uh, and they're not exactly the HD, uh, in fact, they're not the HD 2D, um, aesthetic, but they are, um, still very pixely and just prettier than they used to be. Absolutely. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. All right, let's get into a regular segment on this show, a segment that's called 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, cue us up here. Yeah, so uh, this week, what we're going to do kind of following on from last week is kind (laughs) of well Hugh Jackman I suppose is the connection between the two so what we're going to do is IMDB the internet movie database has something called a star meter which is essentially a ranking of all of the actors on the site and they are given this star meter ranking Based on some formula that IMDb has, proprietary, but part of it, it, yeah, part of it's like page views, you know, like how excited people are about different projects that they're on, that sort of thing. Um, I interestingly, I found out in preparing for this that the star meter is now behind IMDb Pro. Oh, yeah, it used to be just something that was available to everybody, but no, now it's part of Pro, which I signed up for a free trial for, (laughs) so we could do this. So. Hugh Jackman's star meter ranking out uh-huh. of all people with star meter rankings is 609. Okay, 609. So what we're going to do is we're going to choose actors, and then before looking them up, we are going to guess whether we think their star meter is above or below 609. Okay, so let's start with like an easy one. Let's say Robert Pattinson. Okay, great. Okay, uh, and I'm going to say... Definitely above, right? He's got a Batman movie coming out. Uh, yeah, I 100%. Yeah. Do you think that Robert Pattinson is in the top 50 in Star Meter right now? Uh, how would we know? I will, I'm going to look it up. No, but I mean, will we Will we know that he's in the top 50? Well, won't we be? Is he, there a if ceiling? He, if, if he is, well, sure. The ceiling is one. Oh, okay. So the the lower the number, the better. Yes. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Got it, like got it, got if it. you are the number one in the star meter, 
right. then okay. you're the number one like hottest person that people are right. searching for it's, on IMDb. But it's a rank and not a meter. Because a meter, you would think that the higher the meter, the better it is. <laughs> the mysteries of how the IMDb Pro <laughs> uh, star meter work yeah. are yeah. just that a mystery. But yes, you're, you are cor- it is correct to say that the lower your ranking, yeah. the higher um, you're, at, you're doing. Yeah, then probably top fifty, okay. right? Like I don't know who else. Well, okay, let's uh, let's let's see. Robert Pattinson got a Batman movie coming out. Mark not in the top fifty. Okay, he's number ninety-five. Okay, on the star meter, so solid one hundred, but lower, lower than I thought would be. Yeah, definitely lower. I wonder, maybe the like uh, recency thing isn't as heavily weighted as like I think it should be. Oh, sure, or maybe like we're still a few days out. Before sure. Batman releases, like maybe in the next couple of days, the reviews are dropping. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it hasn't taken effect. Maybe they run it overnight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that that's a great point. <laughs> okay, so if Robert Pattinson is ninety five, mm-hmm. who do we think could be higher? Who's like hot right now that might be even higher than ninety five? Zendaya. Oh, that's good. That's good. So between the end of Euphoria, the end of that uh, Spider Man trilogy. Uh, and the fact that she's Zendaya, like, I feel like she's got to be, no? No, no, no. I oh. was shaking my head, and you nailed it so much, Patrick. Yeah. Zendaya's star meter, she's number 16. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, let's let's try to let's try to get to a single digit. Okay. Who do you think, who do you think could be a single digit? And do you, do you want to go, like, classic on this? Is it, like, Tom Hanks or... Do you know what? I'm going to guess that... Someone younger. I'm going to guess that it's somebody younger because let's look up Tom Hanks. I'm going to guess that Tom Hanks is above Whoa. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Okay. But, like, Still in the in 200s. The... Oh, okay. All right. All right. Let's see where Tom Hanks falls. Tom Hanks is... Sorry, they must really be crunching the numbers because it's <laughs> taking a second. Ooh, I was... I was wrong, and I'm sorry I doubted Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is number – his star meter is 107. Okay, okay. Still not as good as Robert Pattinson or Down Zendaya. 23 points this week, FYI. Ooh, tough. Um, okay. Uh, well, let's get someone in single digits. Okay, let's try. Probably let's try. Gotta, well, uh, should we try Tom Holland? Yeah, let's try Tom Holland. Also just had an Uncharted movie come out, and he's Spider-Man. Uh-huh. I feel like he's got to be pretty – He's got to be pretty high. He is number 20. Okay. So so less than Zendaya. Below Zendaya. Okay. Uh, I don't – do we not know famous people anymore? Oh, I mean, that is for sure true. (laughs) That's for sure true. Let – okay, let's see if – I wonder if there's a way that I can just find star meter rankings. Oh well, I oh, guess we'll. Shoot, we'll never I guess know. we'll never know. Also, we never guessed anyone who was uh, less famous than Hugh Jackman. Does that does that bug you? <laughs> He's so far down that list. He hasn't done anything like recently, recently, right? Not movie wise. What What do we think was the last Hugh Jackman movie? The last one I remember was uh-huh. Logan. No, Greatest Showman. Uh, what, m- Greatest Showman, I think, was the last one I remember. I mean, he's in a version of uh, Oklahoma that was available on um, uh, Amazon recently, so maybe that's it. I, but I'm gonna guess that that was filmed a long time ago. 
Should I look it up real fast? Yeah, let's look it I up. I know real we're fast. over. Yeah. But this feels like vital this is, information. This is now outside uh, the, the parameters of 433. Okay. Um, uh, I appreciate Free Guy. You. Oh, he's in Free Guy? Yeah, and he's in something called Reminiscence that was mm. released in 2021. You know, I bet Ryan Reynolds has a really high star star meter. Oh, ranking. I bet. Do you think it is um, higher than Tom Hanks? Yes. Who's like 107. Yeah. I would guess he's double digits. You, uh, you're right. He's number 74. All right. Um, still never got to a single digit. Also, this has gone on way too long now. We were accompanied by uh, an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. Mark, let's get into the news. I have to remember to cancel IMDb Pro now, but um, worth yeah, it. Right. You can like set a reminder on your phone. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon. Oh yeah, go ahead. When we did the episode where we were uh, casting the famous detectives as Nintendo characters, I did sign up for like a free month of like BritBox or something through Amazon, and I forgot to cancel it for <laughs> months. That's what they want. That's, that's what they that's want. How they get that's you. What they want. Pokemon Day was last week or beginning of this week, depending on how you count weekends. It was mm-hmm. on Sunday. The Pokemon companies uh, had a 15-minute-long Pokemon Presents video with several updates for existing games. But really, the barn burner was they premiered a teaser trailer for the next mainline generation Pokemon games coming out this year, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Um, Very exciting. Mark, normally when I break down one of these uh, presentations for use on, on the show here. I do them in order. I'm like, look, we'll get to the exciting thing at the end, just like they did. But here I was like, forget it. We got to get right to Scarlet and Violet. Um, should we introduce the, the new starters? Yeah, let's talk about it. So we don't see a whole lot of like gameplay. There's no, there's not a lot of, a ton of detail in the sizzle reel itself. But one thing, well, and a lot of the trailer is a security guard at the uh, Game Freak offices, just like walking around and hearing noises. Yeah, that's which right. doesn't seem like it has anything to do with the game. Right? No, no. Although I guess we know basically nothing about yeah. the game, so maybe it'll turn out that a security guard at an office building is like a vital part of it, and they were just teasing us all along. But what well, we d- we did uh, see an image of the starters, uh, Spriggle. Sprigatito, mm-hmm. which is a grass cat, little kitty cat. Fue Coco, which is a fire, like, crocodile d- yeah, dinosaur. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the Coco impri- implies crocodile, yeah. And then uh, Quaxley. Yeah, who's a duck who's wearing, like, a big blue hat. Uh, is it a hat? I think it's, like, a, I think it's a hairstyle. Hey, it, with Pokemon, <laughs> it's impossible to know. Um, I think my heart belongs to... Uh, uh, the little crocodile, the fire oh, crocodile. Oh, really? Yeah. Mark, an unpopular opinion. I think you're uh, so you're there. crazy to me. I saw so like so many people excited for this grass cat, and I've got to tell you, me personally, I feel like if I was to come up with the most generic Pokemon ever, it would be this cat. I feel like there's always one of them, right? Where you're like, no one even tried on that. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I'm I'm in love with the Quaxley. I think uh, a, a little blue duck is um, a, adorable. Um, but I, I'm excited that you uh, have an affinity for um, the Fue Coco, which you, he has the best name, right? Yes, and he's also I. It seems to me 
like wearing i don't know his eyes run into it's almost like he's wearing a mask right because his like who are you talking about uh the uh fue coco uh-huh because he has like uh he's red except the his the top of his snout uh-huh. and his eyes the area around his eyes are all it's all white it's like a mask almost yeah well i mean i, I think he's got i think he has dead old reptile eyes right because he's like crocodile uh-huh so i think what we're seeing is his eyes are just this solid black, right? That there is no there is no white of his eye. Oh, I see what you're saying. But I guess what I'm saying is it looks like he's wearing a mask. Okay, it does sort of look <laughs> like he's wearing a mask. Um, I, I do like that the Fue Coco uh, is sort of shaped like a chili pepper. Um, I think that's adorable. Uh, and it's a fun like little twist on like heat and like a fire type. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I and honestly, I don't hate the uh, uh, sprigatito. They're all uh, cute. They're all cute. They're all. They're cute. all cute. Uh, the um, uh, I think I'm I am just being a little defensive of the Fue Coco mm-hmm. <laughs> because not very many people are picking them, and I think that's crazy. Here's here's Mark. Here's what I love is that there's no easily bullyable starter this time. There's no Sobble. We don't have a Sobble uh, here. Uh, so help me God. If <laughs> we have to play as another Sobble, I'm going to jam it into its own locker and steal its lunch money. One thing that's also nice about it is they all they all have, like, cute little feet. Like, they're all very... <laughs> yeah. Right? They all have, like, cute little feet in their yeah. own way. Yeah. It's just very... Uh, I just want to see them stomping around. Um... I'll tell you what, I'm not wild about the names of these games, Scarlet and Violet. Um, they almost rhyme, but they don't. Um, and why are we, we're just back to colors now? Well, I, I don't have anything against the fact that we're just back to colors. I think it's weird. I actually don't, I don't have that strong of an opinion about it, but I do think it's kind of weird that Scarlet is essentially red and I don't, which already exists. Right. And then I don't think of Scarlet and Violet as being like opposites. Although I guess the other games aren't necessarily, they're not like diametrically opposed. Yeah. Um, Sun and Moon. Sword and Shield. Others as well. <laughs> they all, they you know, there's like synergy between them. I guess I don't know what to make of it. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I just enjoyed that we were uh, like going somewhere weirder with them um, and to go to just like, deeper cut colors of scarlet and violet I'm like oh, okay then we're just we're just doing what we used to do well i mean i don't i i don't know that i would say that we were ever getting like crazy sword and shield's pretty crazy <laughs> is, is, is it i, don't know. I mean the uh, the legendaries were pretty wild yeah uh that like one just had a sword head and then the or sorry a shield head and then the other one had a sword like permanently in its, in mouth. its mouth yeah that's kind of funny uh, so this is Generation 9. It appears to be taking place in a Mediterranean setting. People have speculated Spain or Portugal-inspired. Which is pretty cool. I, I like it when they are when they are doing, like, very specific settings now. And, I, like, I, I guess that has always sort of been a, a function of them. Um, but just, I don't know, like, getting into the, sort of the granularity of, like, I really like Alola. I think the Galarian region is cool. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I want to see another one like that. And not in the trailer itself, but afterwards in the press release surrounding it, the game is being touted as an open world game, which is the first time that this, that like a mainline generation Pokemon game is being described that way. And uh, it goes on, quote, where various towns with no borders blend seamlessly into the wilderness. So it looks like maybe it's taking some clues from Arceus. 
Uh, yeah, it definitely looks like that because in the limited amount of uh, footage from the game that we actually see, it uh, looks an awful lot like Arceus, right? That we see Pokemon like out in the wild doing what they do. Um, so, you know, not not quite the same as uh, what we saw in like the wild area in Sword and Shield um, and really just kind of looking like Legends Arceus, which uh, I'm, I'm down for. The games, they also announced that the games will link back to Pokemon Home. Uh, we obviously don't have any word yet if this will include the entire Pokedex, but if you had to take a guess, Patrick, what do, what do you think? No! But more, probably, right? More than we got than in... Than Sword and Shield? Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, the, the Pokedex in uh, Legends Arceus is quite a bit smaller than... It's, like, fewer than 300 Pokemon, I think, um, that, like they really scaled that back because every Pokemon has its own like behavior out in the world. Um, so, and like when that's the case, it, I mean, it all, it never bothers me. Cause like, I don't have room in my head for a thousand Pokemon. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, we will wait to uh, hear the size of the Pokedex, but I would not be surprised to find out that it's only like four or 500. Yeah. I, 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 think that that makes sense that it's not going to be the entire pokedex but it's going to be more than we've seen sure. in like switch games so far do you know offhand probably not uh because why would we uh, how many are in sword and shield i don't i and i don't know how many it ended up with because i believe they, they added add them in like it, yeah. the additional dlc so yeah uh coming this year which kind of feels a little bit crazy just because arceus was just released to a lot of acclaim and really good sales but um, it, it's been three years since the last generation, so... Right, so, like, they're on schedule there. I mean, yeah, like, Arceus is the is the one that's, like, off the schedule, right? Like, because uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, that was the Pokemon for the end of last year. And then, like, here's another one. What's weird to me is that both this, uh, both um, Scarlet and Violet uh, and Arceus all, all developed by Game Freak. Um, which is a lot for a company that's not that big to do, right? But, they, but we know that they have multiple teams. Yeah. Like, you know, we know that they have, like, the Pokemon Let's Go team. And I don't even know that it's that yeah, regimented. Well, because what I remember is that there's a lot of um, developers move from team to team. So it's not necessarily that, like, all the developers are on one project and then they are forever on that, like, A team or, you know, the alternate team or whatever. But so, and because Game Freak didn't develop the um, remakes from last year, so one team was on Arceus, another team could have been on, you know, this new generation. It doesn't feel that crazy to me. Another thing I was thinking about is that I feel like it as like the target audience for Pokemon games are kids. And, and I remember when I was a kid, I just remember time moving so much slower. Yeah. So it's like three years between a generation. Like if you were six when Sword and Shield came out. Right. Then you're you're nine. nine. Yeah. And then by the time the next generation comes out, you will be 12 and potentially like aging out of Pokemon. Like it makes sense to me that there is a regular cadence to this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it does totally make sense to me. And like, um, I, I do think that they, 
discovered or, you know, they developed uh, an intriguing, fun new system in Arceus. Uh, and there must be some sort of drive to be like, okay, now let's put that in one of the main ones where you do all the things that you do in Pokemon, including, you know, challenging uh, like gym leaders and uh, all, all that kind of normal Pokemon stuff that doesn't happen in, in Arceus. So like, I think they were developing the weird new idea as its own thing and already knew we need that new weird idea in like a, a full blown Pokemon game. Not to say that Arceus isn't a full game because it totally is, but that's almost incidental, right? Like it could have been a much smaller experience uh, with still the same like size world, but just with like less stuff to do. Um, and, uh, and then it would have been okay to implement all that stuff in the new games. Um, but yeah, I'm, this is like for me, best case scenario. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I also thought it was interesting. Obviously, there's a lot going in the a lot around, and there's a lot going on in the world right now. But this kind of flew under the radar right up until announcement. I didn't I didn't feel like we had the yeah. weeks of speculation or you know rumors that this is the fact that we had a brand new generation announcement. I feel like took a little people by surprise a little bit. Yeah, totally. I mean, we talked about this. Uh, uh, Pokemon Presents coming up um, either in last week's episode or possibly even the week before. Um, and I don't even remember what we said about it, but it could have been that we made a joke being like, so they're going to show off the next, you know, like uh, it was just so far, I feel like from anyone's like uh, anyone's brain. And partially because like uh, Arceus is still the talk of the Pokemon community, right? And like the greater like video game community at the moment. So um well done uh, on uh, launching a surprise here. Speaking of Arceus, uh, on Sunday, they released an update, the Daybreak update for free, version 1.1.0, that includes some new missions, including one where you investigate, quote, mass outbreaks of Pokemon. I don't know what that means. And uh, battle well, legendary what, what, Pokemon outbreak and of Pokemon? What is I that? Don't know. What does that mean? Um, it, you can also enter the password Arceus Adventure in the Mystery Gifts menu before the 31st of March to get 30 Ultra Balls, 30 Gigaton Balls, and 30 Jet Balls. Uh, I am definitely going to get those balls. Uh, that will help me capture some things that will not stay in the Pokeballs when I throw them at them. They also announced that a new uh, web animated series based on Legends Arceus is coming out this year and showed off a little concept art for that. Uh, and that concept art is like consistent with the uh, art style of Arceus, a little bit more um, like strokey, a little bit more like painterly. Uh, there were also updates for other games last week uh, or announcements of updates. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. You can get a, uh, a shaman, shaman mm -hmm. by talking to Professor Oak en route. 224. Pokemon Masters EX celebrates two and a half years with like a bunch of stuff. I don't understand. I personally have no idea what Pokemon Masters EX is or does or how it works. Yeah. I also want to um, just uh, call bullshit right now and celebrating a two and a half year anniversary. <laughs> Get out you gotta wait. You gotta wait six months and then you can do three years. That's fine. Um but I, I feel like in, this is true for myself as well. I feel like when Nintendo celebrated Mario's 35th anniversary, it warped everybody's brain. Including Yeah, mine, that's true. That's true. Be like, because last year was like Metroid's 35th anniversary or right, something. Right. We're like, where's the 35th anniversary <laughs> celebration? Like, like that I was, was crying it at the time. Do yeah. you remember that <laughs> it doesn't make sense? 35th isn't 
important. It warped our brains. Yeah. Um, Pokemon Cafe Remix adds Pokemon Day bonuses and a delivery mode. I've got to say, I've never played Pokemon Cafe Remix before, but who boy does this game look super cute. Well, the ge- again, uh, like a great twist on the Pokemon art style. Um, and the delivery mode where you're like playing some bird thing flying around delivering, uh, you know, treats and croissants to Pokemon. Yes. Yeah. It uh, just looks really adorable. Pokemon Unite. Uh, Hoopa is in the game and everyone can try it out. Also, if you play between now and March 14th, you get an in-game hat and t-shirt celebrating Pokemon Day 2022. And then finally, on Pokemon Go, the Alolan Pokemon begin appearing in the game today, March 1st. I'm assuming in celebration of Kirby Month. Uh, I, I would assume that as well. Uh, in advance of Kirby Month, right when they were running the uh, the presentation, they were saying that the uh, uh, Alolan Executor um, it was already appearing in the game. That's the one that's so tall it can't it can't uh, be on the screen at one time. Just a really tall like a uh, uh, palm tree with like coconuts for heads. Um, so yeah, that's we uh, a lot of new stuff came to old Pokemon games, and of course an exciting announcement that we're getting brand new. Pokemon. Former Nintendo of America staffer Jim Warnell revealed in the Did You Know Gaming show on YouTube that he worked on a lo- on the localization for an F-Zero game for the Virtual Boy. Yes. This, uh, the, the, these are all my these are all my code words, right? Yes. These are all of the uh the 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 things where it's like what? What only Patrick will care or know about this? Uh Virtual Boy only like 17 games ever published for that thing. Uh, one of them could have been an F-Zero game. Come on. But it was not to be. The game was set to be called Zero Racers. And according to Warnell, they had a completed manual package and label done for the game. Like, it was ready to go. But I'm imagining that the quick crash and burn of the Virtual Boy ended up uh, putting an end to it. Yeah, it had uh, an incredibly short um, lifespan. Uh, and honestly, if it was, uh, if they had released the F-Zero game, Zero Racers, um, that would just be one more game that we would be mourning, uh, not having access to on even the 3DS eShop. Uh, why, why did the 3DS never have a virtual boy, uh, virtual console? Someday. I, I, I really believe that we'll get a virtual boy console someday. Wow. Wow. Forever is a really long time. Forever is a really long time. You're right. Nintendo has acquired SRD Company Limited with uh, the acquisition expected to close on April 1st, 2022. So the SRD is a company that has been working with Nintendo since the 80s, and their offices in Kyoto are actually inside Nintendo headquarters. Mm. So they've helped in the development of a, a lot of games over the years, a lot of Nintendo games, including more recently uh, Game Builder Garage and Animal Crossing New Horizons. So, from Nintendo's announcement, uh, they say, quote, completion of the acquisition, exclusive of Treasury stock, will serve to strengthen the management base of SRD and secure the availability of software development resources for Nintendo, in addition to facilitating an anticipated improvement in software development efficiency, end quote. So, this is basically on par with... uh Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard, right? Well, <laughs> I do think what's interesting about this one is just that they've worked so closely with the Nintendo for so long, but have not actually been part of Nintendo. I, you know, just makes you wonder what was the impetus for the acquisition now? Was it right. like management was ready to retire and sell, sell? And so, you know, it made sense for Nintendo to acquire them at this point. 
I just think it's interesting. I don't doesn't seem like we should expect a ton to Anything change. to change. But. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, it almost just speaks more to um, like the the past of it rather than you know what it means for now or for the future. That like Nintendo has historically been so good at having partners that they're just like impossibly close to, right? Um, you know, uh, we we think of like you know Fire Emblem and uh, Kirby as like those are Nintendo things, but like neither Intelligent Systems nor HAL Laboratories are owned by Nintendo. Um, they just like have the best relationships in the world with them. Um, so like I don't know, it's just it's just such a cool little like piece of what Nintendo is um, that uh, they can get so much done kind of by like the goodwill that they've. Just from being around forever. It also reminds, just like reminds me how big the video game world is. Yeah. And when we talk about like games being developed by Nintendo, there are all there. I'm sure there are a lot of companies like SRD who are just kind of under the radar. I'm not even entirely sure what SRD does, but like making assets or, you know, just other like building block code that doesn't get the same sort of praise, you know, that, um, EAD Tokyo does or right, something right, like that. Right. Last February, Fall Guys was announced for the Switch with an anticipated summer 2021 release. The game was later delayed to 2022, but we haven't heard anything about it for a while. But in the Season 6 mid-season update blog post last week, the developer Mediatonic confirmed the Switch version was still in the works and that they're finalizing development. Okay. Uh, Fall Guys was a good game. I totally feel like the moment its moment has passed and maybe it'll get a new moment uh, when it's on uh switch. Um, but like, it seems like it's done, right? It, it does seem like it's fallen out of the everyday, like uh vernacular, but I, um, it feels like a lot of games that happens to, but that they, they're thriving. They're yeah, just sure. not like constantly. Cause I think like Ninjago is that, wait, or is that the, that's the Lego That's thing. That's the Lego thing. What was the... Um, Hold on. Is it Ninjala? Maybe. The kind of like Splatoon-esque yeah. looking game. But, you know, like you don't hear people talking about that. You really don't hear people talking about um, like... Uh, I'm blanking on the name of... Describe any, it. Give me the bad version. <laughs> any, any of the uh, uh, Battle... Royales? Uh, yeah, any of those like Battle Royales. I mean, Fortnite. Other than Fortnite. Right. But, you know, but... I'm sure they're thriving. But yeah, I agree. It's not um, uh, top of mind anymore. Uh, Ninjala is, in fact, the game that we were uh, trying to remember the name of. Yes. Wild. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Fall Guys actually come to Switch. Super Smash Brothers will not be one of the games appearing at Evo 2022. No version of the game will be featured at this year's event, despite Ultimate and Melee being mainstays for a long time now. Uh, yeah, this is a little bit of a weird one. And, uh, you know, you have to uh, put into context that um, Evo, this is the like premier fighting game tournament uh, held every year in Las Vegas, um, except for last year when it la was that last year that it was canceled. Two years ago. Might have been two years ago. May have been canceled two years ago and then also didn't happen last year. Whatever the case, um, was uh, purchased by Sony. So uh, Evo is a Sony product. Um, but when they uh, bought it, they said that they wouldn't restrict any games from the lineup regardless of who develops or publish them. 
Um, their their statement uh, reads: uh, Since 2007, we've we've seen historic Super Smash Brothers moments created at Evo events. We are saddened that Nintendo has chosen not to continue their legacy with us this year. In the future, we hope to once again celebrate the Super Smash Brothers community alongside them. It definitely sounds like it was Nintendo's choice, which I guess kind of follows because uh, a few months ago at this point we had a news item where Nintendo announced that they were pursuing their own like officially sanctioned Nintendo sponsored event, yeah. like super smash brothers ultimate um, tournament events. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that, and I, we talked about this at the time uh, is that uh, part of the, the reasoning for that um, is, you know, Evo was uh, canceled and sort of went dark for a little bit and was in a position to be purchased um, because there was sort of like rampant abuse uh, within the uh, Evo community, especially within the Smash community and especially targeted towards minors, which is a lot of uh, Smash players. So, um, you know, one of the things that I applauded Sony for at the time was like, they can be there, they can be the adults in the room to be like, hey, when stuff's going down, we can hold people accountable, we can fire people, there's no like cult of personality anymore if Sony is at the top of it. Um, but then it also makes sense that Nintendo would be like, we're still wary of this thing, and we're only going to do our own contests where we get to be the adults in the room. Um, so, uh, well, it's a, a bummer that not all of the fighting games are in the same place. I think it is possible that Nintendo will, you know, put the right amount of pomp and circumstance behind their own Smash tournaments. Um, it just won't be alongside whatever is happening at Evo. Finally, even though the final fighter has been released for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, there are still lots of Smash series amiibo out there in the future that haven't been released yet. We do have a release date for the Min Min Amiibo now, though. It'll be released on April 29th. Wow, didn't we see that thing showed off in a uh, like a Sakurai Presents, like a, just like a, a mocked up a mock up of it or I, something? Probably, probably like yeah. Um, yeah, at some point, the uh, in that same announcement, they said that the Steven Alex from Minecraft Amiibo are delayed from spring 2022 to later in the year. Uh, we're, of course, not talking about supply chain and all that, but you can guess what the culprit is there. Also still lingering out there are Sephiroth, Pyra, Mithra, and Kazuya. Those were all announced. So at this point, it seems likely we're getting into 2023 and beyond Yeah, that these are going to be trickling out. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think we will? They didn't announce it with, along with the character, but will we ever get a Sora amiibo? Yeah, I feel like the fact that they didn't announce it was telling. I, th I think they're hoping to get away with something yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I mean, also at this point, it'd probably show up in 2025. So I guess anything oh, is possible. Along with the new model of Switch. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Mark. Let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are listening to podcasts. Do we always need to say wherever you you're, you get your podcasts? Like, it, I think it's a people get it, right? I think I think it's nice to yeah, shout it out. Just, it's like it's inclusive. Uh -huh. okay. All right. Um, if you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. 
Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellery saying thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Collectors Club, Club. you're here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.